Welcome to Unapologetically Bold, I'm Not Sorry For. If you are a person that is tired of apologizing for being you, you know, the human part of you that sometimes feels like it has to be different at home versus work versus play, the human side that just wants to be hot, humble, open, and transparent about your wants, desires, and uniqueness. If you answered yes, this podcast is for you. Join me, Emily Elrod, as I dive into conversations with amazing guests about what they are not sorry for in creative and loving ways. Let's get started. Hello, everybody. We are live for another Unapologetically Bold, I'm Not Sorry For. And I'm so excited today to have my guest here, Sven. He is somebody that I've got to connect in. Again, recurring theme, LinkedIn. And it has been such a blessing to not only watch his TED talk about his story, which we will go into later, but also just about get to know him more. You're such a deep in-depth person um, that it's really cool as somebody that is nerdy about how humans work. I love your authentic aspects to it, as we say, to be a hot human, which is humble, open, and transparent. And that's what that's what you strive to be. So Thank you, Sven, for joining us today. Hey, yeah. Thank you, Emily, for having me. I'm really excited to have a little chat with you. Awesome. So before we get started, as always, we want to ask our people to please continue to like, subscribe, and share, as our goal is to get things on our news feeds that can help us, uplift us, and be better humans all together, and maybe stop apologizing for some things that make us who we are. So let's get into it. Sven, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, I am actually from East Germany. Uh, some people ask me why I'm saying East Germany, because actually the country I lived in doesn't exist anymore. Um, I was 15 when the Berlin Wall came down and that event basically turned my whole life upside down and caused an emotional trauma that I had to recover from. But all that stuff that happened through that time has now become of such great value. And that's basically what I'm now giving away to other people. I love it. So Sven, if you could stop apologizing for something, what would it be? Well, I have stopped apologizing for raising conflict. I love it. So let's dive into that. How did you even get to there with the raising conflict and give a little bit about your story? Well, you know, when the Berlin Wall came down, I was a perfect communist child. Um, so I believed all that stuff. Um, I had a career plan. I had 30 years of my life planned, confirmed ahead of me. And I thought I followed kind of in the footsteps of my parents. So my mom was a teacher. My dad was a leader in the Communist Party. But then the world in war came down. So overnight, my worldview, so everything I believe about the world is wrong um, or a lie. My career plan disappeared. And then I find out that my parents were actually watched by the secret police. So... And that basically meant I suddenly had to realize that even my parents lived a double life and I didn't actually know who, what they believe. So you can imagine that just turned everything upside down. Um, fast forward, what happened basically at some point was I got married. Um, I have a beautiful wife um, and a seven-year-old son. And we came to the UK to spend our very first year of marriage here. So we decided to have an extended honeymoon of about 10 and a half months. And uh, we met here a beautiful couple, Pete and Pam. And Pete who became our mentor. One of the questions he asked was like, hey guys, how many arguments do you guys have? 
And I thought like, oh no, what is this going to be about? You know, and <laughs> who's, ever, who's ever been married um, or has been on a honeymoon, you know, people have not really known each other much before they went on getting married or lived, didn't live really together. They know that honeymoon is really lots of arguing because, you know, you get just, you wind yourself up. And um, he's, you know, I said to him like, well, we have one big one every week. <laughs> And then he looked at us, he laughed, and then he said, oh, I think you guys don't have enough conflict. And I thought like, what is this? What is this? You know, I didn't want to have conflict. I loved harmony, passion, all the kind of nice things, you know. And I thought this guy's is crazy. But then he explained and said like, you know, your conflict situations are the very opportunities to really get to know you yourself to get to know each other, to really find out about each other's differences and how you take and how you actually can learn to appreciate those differences and be more complement. And that's where the journey really started. I love it. So what are some things that you learned in that conflict, like from a childhood that you then got to work within your marriage or just your life later on? Well, as a child, the way I learned about conflict is you observe how your parents deal with conflict. And usually it was kind of big fighting or shouting. Somebody just shuts the door. Somebody walks out. And somehow the next morning, everything seemed to be fine. So that was the conflict resolution that I observed as a child. Now, that was exactly the way I did it. Okay. So and Pete was one of those people who said, like, oh, Sven, you know, tell me. How did your parents solve their conflict? And I'm like, well, was shouting, throwing doors, somebody walks out, and at some point, you know, everything seems to be fine. So he said, like, so you actually never realized, saw how your parents resolved their conflict. I said, like, no. And my, then she asked my, he asked my wife, and my wife just, you know, different story. That was more like they don't argue at all. <laughs> you know, there's no yep. real arguing. So it's like. Okay, so, you know, we had to learn to argue basically from scratch. And for me, it started with the whole idea of learning to set boundaries. The word no is the most powerful word that we can learn in our life. And then the whole concept of boundaries that I had to learn is I am not responsible for how you feel if I set you a boundary. And I know most people disagree with this, but this is the foundational challenge that we need to overcome is I need to know I am not responsible for how you feel. I'm responsible for how I feel. You're responsible for how you feel. And therefore, I can say no, no matter how you feel. Mm -hmm. I love that. Oh, there's so many things I want to go in. <laughs> Oh, because I didn't know how I love these conversations because I never know how they're going to go. And this is something that is, I will say, very relevant in my life. So me and my husband, we've been together for seven years. And basically we are going, we we're saying that it is more of a proactive marriage because it, we don't know how to communicate at times. And we are taking on our styles of our, our parents. And so how do you have conversations and how do you get things done? And in our talks that we're having, it is one that like I sugarcoat everything. I want it to all be happy and people pleaser. And he's blunt and straightforward. 
And how do you work that together? But the beauty of it is, is whenever you learn and like what you said with the saying no, it's something that I've struggled with. But whenever I came to my husband and I'm like, I'm going to start saying no. He's like, okay, good. And the first time I said no, he pitched a fit. The second time I said no, okay. Like, but it's progression. And it's so unique that you talk about this too, because we don't do this in our marriages. So we're definitely probably not going to do it in our work life. And so how, like everything it stems to. So in conflict and learning to embrace it and see it as a progression, what are some of the greatest things that you've learned from it or experiences that you've gathered to help others? Um, well, just to reaffirm this one thing that, you know, what we haven't done at home, we will not do at work. That was actually the very reason why Pete never really invested into kind of our ministry and our future and our vision. That really upset me. And I just told him, it's like, so why are we never kind of going forward? Why he was talking about our marriage? And he said, like, the things that you can do with your wife, the closest person in your life, you can do this with anybody. Mm-hmm. You can say no to her and offend her and have a good conversation about this. You don't really care what happens outside of your marriage because you can do it with the closest person. So just to reaffirm that, it's such an important thing. You have to start at home. Well, I think the, the most important thing was, you know, it was a long struggle for me to just always bear and hold the tension and, and kind of keep these emotions that go on and just be willing to actually endure that emotional side of things. That was for me a long, very long thing to endure that because I could see that if I can do that, if I can hold the tension that is inside me, because it's not actually between us, it becomes, starts here. But if I learn to, to overcome the fear of the tension and actually become comfortable with that uncomfortable feeling, then it's just amazing how um, I could just start moving forward. So I could basically work with managers who were kind of offended when I had ideas, but I could learn to hold the tension or to try to help him that I'm not against him. I actually want to work with him. I want to expand the company and help grow. It's not about that I want his job. I'm not saying he's a bad leader, but people understand that if they never learn to hold that tension and their conflict. So, but what really brought me the breakthrough, that was basically also what brought me the breakthrough into my own trauma, was to learn something that is called emotional logic. It is an, it's in the systematic approach to dealing with emotions. Um, and not to ignore them, but actually take them serious, move inwards, turn the conversation from feelings and emotions where everything is uncertain into logic, and then identify identity, purpose, and values, and then begin to communicate from that perspective. Mm-hmm. And that is the real breakthrough of it all. It's like to suddenly see like the emotions and feelings are actually guides. They help me understand to move forward, to 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 really learn about me, really, to find find me, to find comfort in who I am, in my uncomfortable self. But also, by having found myself deeper, I am a lot more appreciative about the differences that other people bring to me. So I'm not as offended as I used to be. I'm actually more appreciative. I love that because whenever, in essence, you embrace conflict to reduce conflict in a little bit um, and to help have, 
we use a thing called the apple test. It's actually called the celery test, but I hate celery. So I call it an apple test. But what it is, is it's in essence, if you go to a grocery store and you have an apple, a bag of chips and a soda, and you go to the line and you, you cash out, but your value is to be healthy, you can instantly make your decision. And in essence, what you're doing is you've made, you've created your apple test or your values, you're filtered down. So you you don't have to have the conflict because it's nothing that you're going to, not that you don't care about it, but it's not going to raise your stress level or your tension because you know who you are. And that's so powerful. So as somebody that has learned this later on in life, what would you, what advice would you give to people that are younger um, to, to kind of <laughs> some of the hurdles to like have a learning curve expedited? What would you say? What I would really say is, you know, we learn to just be emotionally connected to yourself. Never ignore how you feel. Um, there's always value. There is no negative emotions, no positive emotions. They are extremely valuable because I see them as gauges and guides. So the first thing, you know, don't be afraid to feel um, and just learn to stay connected to those feelings because that's what happened to me. When I was 15 and this trauma happened, I basically completely disconnected emotionally um, from everything that happened around me. And, you know, so first step is like, stay emotionally connected you know and then find something that really helps you to get the value out of that and the thing that is so unique the more i do these talks talking with you and you're from berlin germany i'm talking with i've talked with uh, gary from england i've talked to people from australia all over the world and it's a, a very common theme with males to not feel like they can show their emotions why do you think that is? Why is that stoic and that ego so ingrained and so important? That's a that's a very, very good question. I think there is a, a positive, actually, I think there's a positive masculine thing behind that. Mm -hmm. um, once a teacher told me, like, there are three passions that men have, okay? Men love competition. Mm -hmm. Men love adventure. Um, don't make your wife, your, a woman a competition uh, or a partner. Don't make a partner a competition and don't make your partner an adventure. But the third passion is they want to save the beauty. Okay. <laughs> and and the, the beautiful thing of this is I think that in this kind of competitive competitiveness, that, that strength of competitiveness, that strength of being adventurous and just do crazy things and not really think about this, the risks in many, in many cases, those are strengths. Um, what can then happen because of that compet competitiveness is that we feel like, oh, this guy is stronger and I really need to kind of display that I'm stronger. Mm -hmm. So I think there is a false vulnerability in place here where our competitiveness, our desire for adventure is actually also the very thing that tries to box us up or, or armors up we put armors on in order to show the other man it's not actually about the woman it's probably more about the man and show the other man i'm stronger i can do better i can you know so i think that is probably a reason so um and that's i think we need to learn as a man don't stop being competitive 
that's not that's not the thing about what we should do. We should stay. We should stay true to our passions, but don't be afraid to open up because actually we are not in a competitive for win. We are in the competitiveness actually to drive each other forward, and that I think is the difference we should make. Oh, I love that. Um... Nathan, one of our listeners put in, um, and he's talking about conflict and at the home with his spouse, it says, I'm blunt and straightforward, but I never argue at home. My wife actually got mad before because I don't argue, not uh, sure you to know how. So how can people argue better and create that conflict to have those dialogues and those so they can have the feelings and they can have those conversations that are going to help grow you. And it's not about perfection, it's about progression. So what yeah. are what advice or invitation for people? It's it's a funny one. So Nathan, I can really, um, the funny thing is I can completely relate to this. I had a girlfriend once and she actually quit with me because I didn't argue with her. <laughs> okay, so, so I can completely relate to this. And I could just, I didn't understand that neither. I think, what we have to realize about arguing is it's never about the issue. Okay, the arguing is not about solving issues and problems. Arguing is really about learning who am I and who is her, she, um, and or whichever partnership you're in. So, so for me, the value of that is, and that's something I have now learned with my wife through this whole idea of emotional logic. So, when an argument happens. When emotions come up, the emotions that we feel are actually so-called loss emotions. It's a loss reaction in our body. So we are either afraid of losing something or we actually have lost something. So our body emotionally just says like, hey, let's go and fight. You know. So if you have tendency to just put everything in denial and just say like, oh, it doesn't care, I don't care, I don't care, then you, know, you can do this for a while, but it goes too far. But the other thing is also by not arguing, we don't give the other person the opportunity to actually get to know us. Okay, that's I think a really, really important thing. We don't give the other person the opportunity to learn who I am, what is important to me, what is what do I value? What are my values? Because that very thing of identity and values, if we don't communicate them, we can't expect somebody else to know them. And um, so one of the things I do with my wife now, since I've really kind of dived in this whole emotional uh, systematic approach to that, what I do is if I have an argument, then sometimes we argue, but, um, or it gets heated, but usually even after that, I go away and I ask myself exactly that question. What have I lost? And what am I afraid of losing here right now? Yeah. And I try to make a list of that. You know, I'm not quite, because I do it so often, I do it with my head. But I recommend just take a piece of paper and just write down the things, you know, because you will realize you just not lost just peace. You know, you might not just have the fear of losing your relationship or anything. Actually, the loss is actually quite long if you really think about it. And then what I learned was using the question with the losses and say, like, okay, with losing this, what am I losing? And I realized at some point that I end up with things that are really valuable to me. So for me, one of my deepest values in team, in, in, at work, as well as family, I love working together. I'm a team person. Okay. So my wife 
And I, um, so, but my wife, we just recently identified through the same system that she has a high value of independence. <laughs> How does that work? Okay. <laughs> now, for years, we argued around this. I always told her, you're not, you know, independence doesn't work in a relationship. It's not a good thing. You know, it's, it's destructive in a relationship. We need to be together and blah, 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 blah. But when I saw it from an emotional perspective, and I really, really could see it in her values and the things that she's afraid of losing, I could see it as a value, not as a behavior. So, but how this conversation started was, I had suddenly seen that I lost connection. Okay, I had this deep desire of connecting and I just had felt I, I didn't know where I am anymore in a in relationship. So I gained, went to her. So instead of arguing about the situation of the night before, I actually went to her and said like, actually, I lost connection here and can we just revisit and just chat together and just have a chat so then we talked we talked about the situation of the night before but then i saw her loss list and i told her like oh it looks like the video of a value of independence and then she says like well i told you this for many years <laughs> yeah. okay and and i was like oh yeah but what happened there was we have not talked about the situation what had happened the day before really but what happened to me was I suddenly saw one of her most important values. And what I do ever since is I encourage her to take this time for herself, to take this time and make it really valuable to her. You know, so I'm encouraging her to say, like, hey, you know, just go. You know, just go upstairs or wherever and just spend time on yourself. She sits there just scrolling with her phone. I just say, like, what's the thing that you want to do with your, your time? Because I want to encourage her to live into this value that I had fought against for so many years. But I can tell you, our relationship has been transformed, okay? And our arguments have so much changed because we don't argue that much anymore about things. We just argue and then somebody will say, so just wait a minute, what are you losing here right now? And this is just amazing because suddenly you really find out what the other person values and that makes the relationship really tick. Uh, oh, there's so many things I love on this. The big thing that I hear too in this aspect is, is going back to a lot of people say the number one reason for divorce is communication, which what we say is communication is part of it, but it's the expectations and it takes communication, but also self-reflection to know, to know what your expectations are. <laughs> One simple question and how you can use it to reflect. Yeah. And it's embracing conflict because too many times I think people see conflict as failure or something they want to avoid. So what would your advice be to people that are keep apologizing for raising conflict and for uh, just not wanting to embrace it the way that possibly could be very beneficial for them. As I said, like the, the first thing I had to learn, and I think this is the one of the first lessons we all have to learn is set boundaries. You have a right to set boundaries under any circumstances. So it's not a question if you should or you shouldn't. We have to learn to communicate boundaries. Okay, that's the very number one thing. The reason is that if you learn to set boundaries, you can actually create a safe space for yourself to then engage with the actual or conflict inside you. 
So to really go into this emotional part of it, and instead of reacting emotionally, because that's what we do, we don't actually know what we value, we don't know what we are actually fighting for, and that's why these arguments go always about issues. You know, we're just fighting like, oh, you said this, and you said this, and you went all in thirty years, you said this. You know, we argued like ten decades later. You always do this, and it's like, but that's not the question, okay? And we argue, but we never deal with the emotions because the conflict is here. The mm -hmm. conflict is not here. The conflict is firstly here and on the other person. And that's why, that's basically the second thing is learn to analyze your emotions. Ask yourself, what have I lost? Or what am I afraid of losing here right now? Because you will suddenly realize it is not about something it could be like you know i use sometimes as example of a cup that somebody just takes my cup and drinks it actually it's not for me about the cup for me it's about the lack of respect that somebody doesn't ask me because for me it's important that you respect me that i'm actually there mm -hmm. yeah for other people it's not that, that important for other people it's like oh you just took my cup could you just replace it you know mm -hmm. um but for me this wasn't the case and that's what you learn about yourself. And then arguing becomes easier because you actually know why you argue. Mm -hmm. oh, thank you so much, Sven. I am so appreciative for this. And um, if anybody has any questions, feel free to put them in as well um, as we're wrapping up this conversation. But the one thing I do want to address, because I think it's hard not to with being in America right now, we have a lot of conflict. We have political conflict. We have a race conflict. We have, there's just so much, there's a lot of conflict. There's a lot of tension. And I was speaking with somebody and then you add COVID on top of it. That's another conflict. And so these tensions that keep coming in, the power of that self-reflection, how can that assist us in finding ways to overcome hurdles and barriers that are systematically affecting our our community, our world. Because like you, like your walls, the walls fell down and your whole paradigm shift. And so that's a lot of conflict. That's a lot of tension at one time. And that's what I feel like a lot of Americans feel, but also around the world, what a lot of people feel is that there's, there's just too much conflict. Like, and it's just easier not to even have it in the first place. So what would you tell to somebody that... I think I would still tell some, the same thing I said earlier, to, I would tell this young generation, is we need to learn to stay emotionally connected. As soon as we feel we are so overwhelmed and we just cut it off and we cut ourselves off actually having a conversation in the first place, even with ourselves, the danger is that it happened exactly what happened to me. You know, you just tuck it away. And I can tell you, it just will influence your life for the rest of your life until you actually face it. You know, I had so many dreams, opportunities lost because I had prepared everything. I wanted to get it done. I wanted to raise a, start a company. I wanted to do this. And every time I was, everything was there, I suddenly had all these emotions coming up. And then I just was like, oh, it's probably wrong. And so I made this decision just on the basis of feeling. I did not understand why. You know, I just said like, oh, no, something is wrong here. So I just dropped it all. And um, I only realized now that I knew where this original or where kind of looking into my stuff, you know, 
I suddenly could realize like, oh, wow, you know, I didn't feel at all about that, but I had no idea why I felt in other situations similar to this the same way. And that's why it is so important, however hard it is, you know, don't switch off how you feel. Um, okay. And then start looking into this. I think, you know, for me, systematic indoctrination um, is real. It happens all over the world. So it's not just a, a communist thing. I, I think it happens in every country. Um, the culture basically systematically indoctrinates us. And, um, you know, again, this question, what have you lost? What are you afraid of losing? And to drill really deep into your own values is actually the one thing that can also help you to take these cultural barriers away and actually start seeing, okay, I've lived now in three cultures and I can tell you, you know, when people say you are German, and I think like, I'm not really sure about that. You're British, no, I'm not sure about that. You know, it's I've merged so many things together because I take the values and I actually use the values or merge with the values around me because they're my values. So, and that is an amazing thing to do. So, you know, it's hard, I know this, and it's painful. It's for everyone that's the same way. But those conflicts will only be solved if we start learning to look inside first, make the conscious decision to learn about values, about us as a person, us as an identity, our personal identity. And then we start a communication or a conversation from there with the outside world. And we will see that will change a lot. I love that. So I have two questions that come in. One is, do you think there is a difference between arguing versus fighting? Um, well, I get always told the thing, you know, we don't argue in, my, in our um, marriage or, you know, Nathan had said that before, but also that kind of, oh, we don't have conflicts, you know, but we have disagreements. And for me, I think this is the try to not call it conflict. For me, that's actually a sign of conflict avoidance is that that even the smallest difference we have with each other, in my point of view, that's already conflict. Whether we're actually shouting at each other and fighting and, and, and doing it really badly in some sense, that's another question. I think that there are different styles of conflict, but I, I would not try to make a difference between arguing and fighting and um, having a difficult conversation or have a, uh, different opinions. For me, all of those things are packed into conflict. Oh, I agree. And then one more we have is, how do you reckon that people can deal with conflicts within themselves and, and that personal conflict that you can have whenever you don't want to address some of those deep, deep issues? Um, yeah. By the way, Theo, I, I know Theo. He was a TEDx um, host, actually. <laughs> so it's really cool. Um, but... You know, that, that I think is a very important question to, to see, that um, we need to learn to deal with our conflicts within selves. Now, one of the things of conflicts is they're always relational. You can't actually deal with your conflict inside without engaging at some point with the world around you. So, you know, in this kind of debate of racism, and don't get me wrong, I have loads of black friends. I've been to Africa. I, I love people. I love their culture. I love the way they approach things and and things like this. But I remember I raised it in one of the humans first um, things where I said, like, you know, 
we need to find a way how people who are struggling inside with those conflicts are enabled to actually move into the conflict with the other person to learn to to learn about the other person to learn about how they can do things different how they are different how how they approach things and i do understand that from the other side there is a pain factor too so what i would love to see is kind of raising a generation of people from all kinds of different cultures and differences and diversity of things but people who are truly emotionally safe okay not people who just have put it all away and just think like i don't feel and i don't i don't worry about it anymore i don't talk about those kind of people i talk about with people who really felt like they have found healing and reconciliation about the conflict who then can help someone who has the conflict for themselves and to move them into the right area okay i wrote a post on linkedin about this where i said like i have a problem with hr policies they're just telling what i shouldn't do but it doesn't have a gate to help me to enter if I have a problem with that, okay? And, and that's, the, that's what we have to create. We need to find a way where we can help people step by step to learn something about someone that they actually maybe hated or seen a different way, to really learn something about them. See, not, I don't like the thing to see the world from their eyes. No, experiencing their world is for me probably better. You know, when I was to Africa, one of the things I hated were hotels. I love local people. You know, in the end, I had the chance to go out with a pastor and I said, like, just show me, just take me somewhere. Then they took me into a restaurant. I said, like, so what do you want? I said, like, just choose something. Give me something really local. I will try. Okay, I want to try because I want to know, learn more about who you are and what you do and how you live. That is for me much more important. But I had to find the safety inside. I love that. And it's the part that I found is that one of my uh, great friends and mentors, I've had conversations and she's a uh, black lady. And it's the part is that even as a white person, it's been hard. To, she's like, you're like the fourth person that's like, I don't know what to say because I feel like I'm going to say everything wrong, you know, kind of like that conversation. But I love that it, it's walking in that space and it's with curiosity, but it is also with what is called psychological safety. So it, it, it's with asking and finding ways together to use conflict, raise the conflict and do something about it for the future. And it could be, like you said, in your marriages, in um, the societal uh, norms that we have, how can we destruct them, pull them down and get it back to where it, or to a way that it could be greater and more effective and more, have more equity for all. But again, it's going back to conflict and embracing it. And you got to know yourself. So, Sven, this was amazing talk. Um, I can keep going. I know we're way over, but it's so worth it. So final, last, last, last words um, from you, Sven. What would you like to tell people? I I think I'm going to make this my theme today. You know, in the whole crisis, in all the conflicts that we have raised, stay emotionally connected because that's where the guide to your identity and values and purpose is. Love it. Thank you so much. I hope you have an awesome day. Thank you, everybody that tuned in. And thank you for everybody that is going to be listening later. You're a blessing. We are grateful for you. And have an amazing and blessed day. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of Unapologetically Bold. I'm not sorry for 
If this touched you in any way, please like and subscribe and share with your friends as we continue the message of being unapologetically bold by being hot humans who are humble, open, and transparent. See you next time.